Welcome back to the Heads in the Game podcast and Happy New Year. It's been a fantastic year of football, of podcasting, not so much of concerts, indoor dining, or travel, but, you know, we take what we can get. Uh, There's been a fantastic slate of games recently in the busy December period. We had the privilege of all four of our teams, Christian, Ollie, Turner, and myself, who we are all four on the podcast today. Our four teams all played each other last week. And we've got a lot to talk about. We'll break that down. We'll break down this weekend's games. And then we'll talk about our end of season awards. We'll give best player of the year, best manager, player of the season for our club, and a whole slate of other fun awards. I know everyone's really excited. The votes have been cast. It's going to be a very interesting voting period. A lot of surprises coming your way. But first things first, I know Turner has been looking forward to this day. After last episode, which was titled Arsenal are not even funny anymore, where we were ripping on Arsenal, lamenting the despair that had gripped the Emirates Stadium. Chelsea, Arsenal, 3-1 Arsenal, uh, a pretty horrific performance by Chelsea, but a big win by Arsenal. And uh, as we've seen in the results since, a potential momentum turner in their season. Turner, what do you make of the match? What's happened since? And how are you feeling a week after, you know, you were almost off the building's edge? Yeah, uh, I refused to watch the game because uh, uh, I hate Chelsea and I was expecting something. Not, I was expecting them to destroy us. Uh, and so I was definitely pleasantly surprised. Uh, and I, I mean, we haven't had a lot of luck in the past two months. So it was nice to see. Some things go for us, uh, and and yeah, much needed as we've we're now three consecutive wins, uh, and some players actually starting to to wake up and and look like themselves again. So I mean, I think it just took one win, but uh, I'm just glad it came. And I think it, it coming against Chelsea was also big in terms of uh, the momentum shift. Um, so yeah, yeah, big deal, big deal. And I think what was notable about the lineup that Arsenal went out with was that it was a lineup that was pretty unfamiliar from the one that Archetta had stamped down as his consistent lineup. And those absences were forced by COVID, some injury, some form. Um, what do you make of the new look lineup and the way that the team has developed in the week since with, you know, players like ML Smith Rowe gaining more game, game time in the absence of players that had played week in, week out like William and others? Well, I mean, I mean, it's it's big because he wasn't playing those kids, and he was leaving them in Europa League, and they kept performing, um, and there didn't seem like a, a way to integrate them into the Premier League side. Um, so this is showing that Arteta isn't isn't just uh, well. I, I again, I think COVID helped, but like, yeah, it, it's definitely massive that that these kids are are showing up uh, and getting a run of games and and proving that they have ten times more passion than these two Brazilian twats who just sit on big money and, and, you know, just live their lavish lives and don't perform. So I think it's massive. I think Pablo Mari's looked really good as well. Uh, that's a shout. He's played three consecutive games. Um, and especially as Gabriel has COVID, who's been our, one of our players this season. So, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm just hoping it continues, but uh, that again, a big win today, 4-0 against West Brom, uh, a good 1-0 away win at, at Brighton. So 
three wins on the trot. Uh, I believe I saw a stat that no team, this might be incorrect, but no team has recorded four win, Premier League wins in a row, I think is, is this season, um, which is interesting. So <laughs> not that, that that will really mean anything to our season other than just a little stat, but yeah, uh, big deal. Uh, and I guess, I guess Arteta's getting it right. I'm just, I'm excited to see this form carry and then play it. Uh, you know, a big side, which I think we will the end of January play Man U. So um, that'll be the real test. Now, Chris, you know, Spurs in the past month have played Tottenham. They've played Chelsea. You know, interesting results against both. You know, Arsenal, obviously, a more positive one with the, you know, that fantastic old by Sun. But looking at this result from the Spurs perspective, you know, as potential, as, you know, London rivals, what do you think Spurs takes away from Chelsea's inconsistencies as, you know, they themselves have sort of struggled for form in the past few weeks? Yeah, um, I think kind of as we're in a period of a, a bit of a rut almost, I think it's been really important for the guys to kind of remain positive and to not dip back into, you know, a mentality or a way of thinking that we may have seen in previous years where, you know, instances of late goals given away or, you know, bad penalties given away that having a very significant impact on the team's performance. So, you know, with Jose there, I think that's one thing he's really been trying to work and change about the club. Not only the players, but the club as a whole is kind of the mentality of when stuff gets, you know, real tough to, to keep on moving forward and you have to keep pressing on. But yeah, I just think at the moment, a very interesting period. I think at the beginning of the year, you know, there's a lot of talk of title contenders and, you know, things such as that. But I think over the past maybe four or five games, um, I think a lot of Spurs fans have been brought back to somewhat of a reality a bit. But, you know, it's also quite frustrating because this team really does have the talent to achieve great things and to, you know, possibly win something like the Premier League. Definitely silverware. And to see them underperform is definitely, you know, not not a fun thing to witness. So I think we're at a, a very important time here where the boys can either fold or, you know, continue to press on. Now, the day after the Arsenal-Chelsea game, Tottenham played Wolves. And this is a game that we were looking forward to. But also that on the podcast last week, we were a little hesitant to expect great things from given the defensive nature of you know, both team setups, you know, two teams that can be pretty conservative in their approaches. And, but you know, the game gets off to a cracking start, first minute, and Dumbele, goal. Then Ollie, what we saw next was Tottenham sitting back as Wolves pressed on and on for the next 89 minutes. And eventually it was a center back that broke through. And it's a big point for a Wolves team that aren't at the upper echelon of the Premier League like Tottenham. But it also felt, you know, little bit like a missed opportunity given how many opportunities Wolves had in the second half. What do you make of the second half and the way that Wolves penetrated a Tottenham back line that basically sat back for the entire match? Well, yeah, I mean, we, this ever since the Jimenez injury, we've definitely just been looking for finishing. So obviously that wasn't really there. Saiz, I think it's after today, he's had four goals this season. Um, and so he was able to put one back, but, um, you know, I think we'll take that point. Obviously. Yeah. We ha definitely had the chances. 
Um, but against such a strong Tottenham side, like um, I think in, in that moment, in that 87 minute, we'll take that. Um, but I think, yeah, we are definitely just looking for a striker and, and hopefully that will come maybe in this transfer window. Diego Costa. Yeah, hopefully. You want some madman in the brim? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we, we need something. We need a little something. I hear, I hear, I hear uh, LA Galaxy put up Chicharito for sale, though. Oh, we'll take him. <laughs> Get the Mexican King <laughs> One Mexican once, to the next. Then, yeah, exactly. Jimenez comes back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be nice. I'd be, I don't really know if he, how well he would do, but um, anything's better than Fabio at this point. Badly, bro. The dude's trash in the MLS. <laughs> Turner. Wolves, Tottenham. I mean, actually, Chris, you can get on, in on this too. I know you've lamented about Mourinho, so I'm going to give you an outlet here. This seemed like the epitome of the Mourinho that you dislike, sitting back, not pushing for opportunities. One goal being not enough in the Premier League. What like what frustrated you about watching this match? You know, go leaving this match. Like, what what could you take away from this? I know Turner, Ollie, and I watched this one together, so I, I sort of know their perspective on it. But I'm interested in the way you felt. Yeah, for me, honestly, served Jose right for playing like a little. Uh, like, I don't even want to go and just start going yeah. talking crazy on here, but it just serves him right, you know, like. I say it each and every week, if you don't try to score at all, you don't deserve to win the game or to get a result whatsoever. I don't know why he thinks, first of all, like clear, clearly the defense is the weakest part of our team. So I don't know why he would insist to rely upon them so, so greatly. Obviously, like, you know, you need, you need to be – your defense needs to be accountable and they should be reliable. But to say, yeah, go out there – and just take all the pressure in the world for 90 minutes after we go one goal up. It's like, dude, first of all, that's terrible to watch as a fan. I'm on my seat, like, just gripping the seat every time. Like, they just slamming, trying to slam in chance after chance on us. And second of all, you know, like, if you're not going to try to score, I, I don't know how you what, – what does he expect to happen? <laughs> Especially with our leaky-ass defense. Like, it's just a recipe for disaster. And also, I think it's just completely disrespectful. I mean, not disrespectful to an opponent, but it's kind of just like you're just asking for them to really just pack you out in the 90th minute, which has happened. Wool, we saw it in the Wolves. We saw it versus Liverpool. I've seen it so much. I mean, the uh, what was it? The West Ham game earlier. Like, it's just ridiculous what can happen with that style of play. So, I think it honestly served Jose right for, for playing like that. But it was infuriating to watch because, I mean, at it, we're also at a time when Spurs really, I mean, Spurs really need these points, <laughs> you know, like in order. I think like one thing I've kind of realized is how I've always had an appreciation for whoever wins the, the Premier League uh, title. But I like now, you know, having a team, not that Spurs were crazily far off of it in recent years, but just, you know, starting off the season and having a team being so competitive. You, you, I definitely have a newfound respect for like how important it is getting a consistent three points like week in and week out, week in and week out. So that's kind of one thing that I also learned. But yeah, to answer your question, you know, that, those performances infuriating to see. 
I think that's a big win today too, Chris. I think it's a really big win. I know you're not convinced, but huge uh, win. What five zero uh, leads beat? Uh, who right? Who was it? They just demolished the game before. Uh, uh, yeah. Newcastle. Was it Newcastle? No, 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 it was. No, no, no. It was, um, was it was, uh, was, it was where uh, Allardyce Burnley? took over. It was no. West Brom. West it was Brom. us. It was the team we did West play. Brom. Yeah. West Brom. So again, not a great team. Uh, but 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 still, uh, that's no. The, the, they aren't any joke. You know, they're not a joke. Um, so yeah, it'll be that. I I I think. Yeah, I mean, I just the fact that they. they I think your defense deserves a lot of credit. I'm sure. Um, Leeds had a shit ton of the chance chances, but yeah. they, all they do is throw balls in the box. And while I saw Bamford should have had at least two. Uh, yeah, I was gonna uh, say Charles's little boy Harrison too, a little deep, <laughs> little demon deacon trying to fire a couple chances and like you know, I saw it. I saw it. That's yeah, that's no uh that's no big game. Um I was also just wondering i I think this season's so crazy also looking at the table and and just the difference again with COVID and everything, the difference in games played. I mean, you still have City on twenty six points. Uh, whoever you know, no one's even talking about the title. You know, everyone. The big, the big talking point this week was Man U leveling Liverpool um, at the top of the table in terms of points. But City have four or only have played fourteen games. We play tomorrow against Chelsea. Uh, but if they win their next three, which is just to catch up with, you know, level with with the majority of teams, that put them on what not that's thirty five. So they'd be top of the league. Well, I guess Liverpool and Man U don't have seventeen. So. They they or they'd be thirty two, so they'd be one point off the top if they win the these the, the two that they're missing. This is what find, it's yeah. crazy because like you know as an Arsenal fan I'm like oh we got twenty three points again but we we have seventeen games played. There's so many teams that are behind that that doesn't even feel like much because I don't even know you know Burnley are have fifteen. They win two games and they're like you know one one point behind us. My point just being I, I think that's what that's what's going to make this season crazy is. Uh, the the games played is not going to ever really be level, especially with these COVID. You know, these five these COVID mm-hmm. sprees are just going to keep coming. Well, this is what I want to talk about: is that you know, Chris, what we should be talking about is y'all's match against Manchester City. But unfortunately, the morning of that match got canceled, and it's the latest in you know a late spree of cancellations. Fulham had their match canceled today. The Fulham Burnley one. It's a very, very tough environment. This new strain of coronavirus in England is forcing other countries to shut down travel from the country. The country is shutting down in some parts. Fans are more briefly back. It's like a miracle for a week and then have now left. And, you know, we, we actually do have a listener question on this one is what do we think that the Premier League will shut down in the future? Do you think that they'll take up stoppage or do you think that they will continue just you know pushing through and saying you know we'll postpone that game we'll postpone that game because you know pretty soon they're gonna run out of places to postpone turner i mean I, yeah i definitely think they they uh i mean i don't know because it's one of the things where two weeks really doesn't do too much um so i, I think if, if you're really trying to have about that you know have it being about the health of the players and the staff it, it should be at least a month but no one wants to see that. The fans don't want to see that. The the league doesn't want to see that. I don't know how that would look in terms of the Euros hoping to again play this summer. So if, if you delayed a month, um, that would clearly affect that big tournament. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think they're going to shut down anything. I think they're just going to force the, the teams to play 
the same amount of matches uh, and just start doing, you know, basically there'll always be two games a week, whether it be like, there won't be any week where we have um, just uh, like, just no mid midweek game. So um, that's what I'm expecting. Yeah. At what point do you think like would be like a threshold where they couldn't just keep going? I mean, what at least I I don't I don't think there I I don't know I don't, I don't really because it's so confusing because it's not really the government it's kind of the government but also kind of not you know what I mean yeah it, it's very, I think like, it's also like it's going to be interesting to see what happens if there's a situation in which. You know, let's say there's a situation like today where – or were there supposed to be three matches today? There's supposed to be three matches today and one got postponed. I don't know. But, like, a situation where there's only supposed to be two or three matches and then both get postponed due to COVID, like, what that would do, like, a whole day, you're like, wow, like, damn. Like, it's taken out the entire league for a day. Um, yeah. It's – Yeah, it's a large talking point. Um, but I think it, yeah, it'll just come down to uh, whoever decides, which I think is just what's kind of shitty about it. Um, should we get to the awards just because? Yeah, of I think we should. Oh, no, I think we should definitely get to the awards. Please. So, Please. drum roll, awards music is playing, the red carpet has been rolled. Um, and, you know, paparazzi are outside, uh, yeah. are rolling up, <laughs> clapping. <laughs> Uh, and welcome to the official uh, Heads in the Game Award Show. It's the 2020 awards. We've selected the best and brightest from a great year. Landon Donovan is here. He's in attendance. Um, great hero. Uh, he, he's receiving a special honor tonight for uh, his walking off the field in protest of racial slur or uh, homophobic slurs. Um, yes. Humanitarian of the year, but you know, I, I'll be your MC tonight, Charles Horn. Uh, got a great panel of esteemed uh, journalists, icons, filmmakers, uh, graphic designers. Um, and, you know, I, I think we should start off with our uh, Golden Boy of the Year award. And so this is our best player under 21. Uh, it can be from any club in the Premier League, and it is for their performance across the year of 2020 uh charles um, would you mind if i uh kind of kick this one off of who i who i voted for i would love you to kick it off chris take it away yeah so um in terms of talking about this golden boy award and you know he's really made a, a really big difference for the club this year you know across the whole year i think i'm definitely gonna have to lean on this guy named Bakayo, psych Turner, Mason Greenwood, lock him in. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, dude. Mason Greenwood, lock in my boy Greenwood, lock in my boy Greenwood. Get Sock out of here, bro. Ain't nobody hearing that noise. Turner can feel free to rebuttal. Look, I think Greenwood's a you know very solid shout, Turner. I I don't know why everyone, he's targeting you right off the bat because you're a Sokka support, so. What's your response? There's, there's no, there's no argument for Greenwood. There's an argument for Greenwood for the end of last season, but, but where, dude, where is that dude? I haven't seen him since, since the start of this season. I, uh, Bruno, Bruno's been sucking up all his, all his shit, man. Okay, so, so <laughs> we're, if we're talking about all of 2020, 
we're talking about all of 2020. I don't see how you 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 don't pick Saka. He's he was our clearly our star last season. Uh, and while we've had we struggled this season, he's been the only the only shining light. And I, I don't I don't like like Foden. It, what it was it was Foden, Greenwood, and and Saka were the three like bright English youngsters of last last season. Hey hey and whoa Foden, whoa 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 Mason Mount. Jeez, oh, dude. Are we still? I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't start every. You can't start every game for a team that finishes fourth in the Premier League and not get some consideration. Oh, he gets okay. So he's he's top four. But let's be honest, Chaz. All the hype because everyone had everyone had already given Mount the credit that he, I guess, apparently deserved. Uh, but the, the, it was those three. We can all. I mean, it was like, and, and especially with right. them all getting uh, roles in the in. Southgate's English team, uh, and of course, Foden and uh, Greenwood having a little too much fun in Iceland. But uh, uh, my boy Bukayo's respectful. Uh, he's not DMing any girls on Instagram. He's just a kid. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. Him. That you know, uh, of, Turner. <laughs> that you know. Of. Uh, so I, I don't know. Especially after the West Brom game today, where he was again our best player, or I mean Tierney up there, but. Uh, I, I I I I that's the only shot I'm gonna give Arsenal in all these awards. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to him. Let's hear from you, Chaz Ollie. Ollie, who's your golden boy? Well, you know, I I I think I would give it to Saka just because of his play in recent games and match weeks. However, I think you guys are sleeping on Pedro Neto. I knew it was Golden coming. Boy I knew it in was the coming. old gold. Pedro Neto, only 20 years of age. Um, he's made some great appearances. And since um, Jimenez has left us um, it, to the hospital, he has uh, picking up. <laughs> he has, yeah, that uh, makes it sound like he's like actually like in a I know. But he has definitely made some great impacts, obviously, uh, versus Chelsea. Great goals. Um, great goal. And, uh, yeah, he, he, I think he's just been um, what we've needed uh, without our striker. And in 2020, you know, he also had some goals. So I think people will sleep on him because, obviously, he plays for a smaller side. But um, in the old gold, I'll have to give it to him. Fair enough. All right. Look, I think – Turner is very convincing in his argument for Saka. And my gut instinct does tell me to go Saka. I do think there is an argument for Mount, though. And I I think, like, consistency. Man, come on. He's like, bro, okay. Mason Mounters? I don't know, man. Mason Mount. What's it with young – what's it with, like – British kids born in 2000 and first name. He just Mason. annoys me, dude. Mount just annoys me. It's nothing exactly. against him. It's just that's because you have it. That's because you have a personal history with someone that Mount. Reminds <laughs> you of. Like I'm not going to mention who. We're not going to. He like, must I'll, not I'll, be named. Yeah, I'll, I'll bleep that out on the, <laughs> on the podcast. But an ex club soccer teammate of mine. Um, but geez, yeah, and that's not fair. You can't uh, premise that on it. But okay, fine. Yeah, I think soccer does take this one. Fantastic season. Uh, the way he broke out from the Europa League to the Premier League squad last season and then just annihilated teams earning his way into the England setup. Fantastic. Uh, 
Should we mail him the award? Uh, do you have an address for him, Turner? We'll, uh, we'll, have, Turner, we'll him. have Turner drop it off. Turner yeah, yeah, can go yeah. Drop it off Turner can drop him off tomorrow. All right, well, yeah. I know what Turner's answer is going to be for this award, uh, but I do want to go around and check in who is the best player for everyone's club this year. So the best player across the year of 2020 four clubs tottenham arsenal wolves and chelsea i went last on the last one so i feel like i should go first and i think this is a tough one excitement level i definitely think it's a a certain christian pulisic who post lockdown performance has captivated all chelsea fans but he did not achieve a level of consistency across the year to merit this award but i do think that this award does go to the youngster i think this is mason mount's award I think Mateo Kovacic had the best first half of the season for Chelsea, but has looked off the mark and not played that much since the restart. Um, That means in the second half of the year in the new season, while Mason Mount has firmly kept his place in the squad, playing center midfield, playing fantastically over the last couple of months, been Chelsea's best best player, I think, for a month or two now. Um, So that's my... uh, that's my uh, vote. Uh, there's a little protestation from Chris in the chat. Uh, G's, Mason Mount, ellipses, question mark, question mark, puke face, sick face, uh, thumbs down. <laughs> well, Chris, Chris, I mean, you don't approve of my vote. Who is your Tottenham player of the year? Um, I think we all know who my vote is. The Korean king, Sung Hun Nim, Sung Hun Messi. Shout out number seven, Sonaldo. What a player. What a player, honestly. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know why we even ask him. I mean, Can come I on, man. It's not Ori. Hey, no, no. And okay, Ollie, you got jokes. It's not yeah. <laughs> you got jokes, Ollie. You got jokes. I'm telling you right now, Indumbele, son, son just does too much for us. I'm kidding. I'm, not, I'm kidding about Mbele, bro. No, no, no. Obviously, obviously, he didn't do squat, but I'm just saying, watch out for that man. No, he, he's good. He's good. He, he's starting to look just like it's like unreal. Um, but yeah, point aside, son, come on, man. Who else could it be? Son Aldo, Son Perry Young. Shout out to X and Aldo, Son Perry Young, Son Hung Messi. You already know, man. What a player. We're lucky to have him, honestly. We're lucky to have him on our team. Respect. I think that vote is uh, we could see that one coming. Uh, Turner, I'll give this one to you. I think this one might be as obvious as Chris's. I don't know if you've gone in a different direction than I've expected, but is this a certain player now wearing number seven? Yeah, it has to be the the my, my young boy of the year. Um, which also just says how bad our team has been. Yeah. Has been at least at least. I mean, mine was season. also young boy of the year. No, yeah, but I, I'm just saying if if. If a if a bombing had kept up his form, it would definitely would have been a bombing from from how he played in the FA Cup and everything. But um, yeah, it has to be Saka. Uh, sh- big shouts to like Gabriel maybe, uh, because of how well he's played uh and come in. But there's there's no uh yeah, it has to be Saka. I'm excited for Ollie's Player of the Year. I'm I'm this is this is the one that I think could go yeah. in different directions. Th- this one I think there's about eight choices, and uh, I think it's very interesting. Ollie, um. I think I have a guess of who you've picked, but I want you to let everyone know who is your Wolves player of the year. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a couple choices for me. One would be Jimenez, obviously. 
but I'm going to discount him just because of the recent injury. Uh, and I'm just going to speak quickly to Pedro Neto's form. Let, let's see, 46 appearances, seven goals, Mason Mount. Uh, I think 52 appearances, eight goals. Interesting. So let's just put that on the record. Read about, him the it's stats. not about the goals. Read it's not about the goals. The on the record. <laughs> you want to get in the pass completion percentages? Dude, get, if we, if we play this game, if we play this game, Travis is going to be talking about how Zuma is the best striker. <laughs> hey, he's a fantasy goat. Oh, that's all I'll say. I'm, I'm, I'm about to be bringing up about his like, you know, aerial dual winning percentage and to try to prove you wrong. Continue, continue. Anyway, anyways, uh, I think you know it's hard, honestly, and I'm still honestly just deciding right now. I'm gonna be real with you guys, but I think I'm gonna have to give it to Connor Cody, the skipper, just because of his his lockdown, you know. And oh, every time it's coming in there, and it's not just about his play, you know. It's his direction, it's his authority, you know. He's running the back. But I would give a close second to Joao Moutinho. Um, so yeah, that that would be. Those are my top two. They're quite close. Nice. Nice. Uh, I will say internally in my head, I called Cody. I did write it on a piece of paper here, but my pen wrote out of ink. Uh, Great to see him earn a place in the England squad this year. That was fantastic to see. Although he did score for England. He scored for England. And I think I read a stat that he in 120 appearances for Wolves in the top flight, he had never attempted a shot. So um, good to see him trying new things in the mm-hmm. national team setup. Uh, got a couple more. Assist, what? Does oh, yeah, he does. Assist. He does. Hey, you know, he plays his part. Everyone. Er- every- oh, whoa. Too far. <laughs> Too far on that one. Right. Too far. Well, I guess I think I- Chris is probably going to say Mounts is disappointment of the year. So we might as well get that award done. Uh Chris, I'll let you start with this one. Uh, it's been a long season. Who is your disappointment of the year? So just quick question in answering this. When I first answered this question, I did for Spurs, like specifically. Are we doing like for our club and um, the I Prem? Thought more, I thought more inter, like uh, Premier League, but you can do for Tottenham too. That, that works. Okay. Okay. Um, no, let's, let's do. See. I think we should do prem. I think we should do prem. That'll get some okay. banter going. Because yeah. um, yeah. I mean, you can mention your your. Okay. Team, so. Well, yeah, I'll go ahead and mention my team. Uh so for Spurs specifically, as much as it pains to say, I wanted him to do well. Doggerty man, hot ass, bro. That dude sucks. Send him back to Wolves, man. You got schemed. You got conned. For I don't know how much. It wasn't that much money, but we got conned. I was expecting him to be, like, taking on every defender, like, you know, just ripping up people, ripping up that right side. The man, okay, Serge Aurier is our numero uno, like, at right back. The man we wanted to get – have been wanting to get rid of for I don't know how many years is the number one right now. Not to say that he hasn't been playing better. He's for sure been playing better. But Serge Aurier, like, come on. I think we all know how I feel about that, man. (laughs) And I think we all saw the penalty homeboy gave away a couple games ago. The Leicester, oh, my Jesus. Like, that vintage Aurier. Anybody want to see vintage Aurier listening to this? Ken versus Leicester. Vintage Aurier right there. Uh, When looking at the Premier League as a whole, 
Um, you know, I hadn't really like thought about this, but I'm just super blessed. We have such a smart panel because uh, one of the names <laughs> really popped up into the comments. And I thought, of course, <laughs> how could I like, how could I forget this? And it's going to, it has to be Nicholas Pepe. Like, are you kidding me? Like, come on, bro. Look at that guy. It's so, so funny. Turner, you're going to die, right? I'm looking at my notes of like soccer jerseys I need from like a year ago. I had a Nicholas Pepe jersey. I couldn't be seen caught dead in a Pepe jersey right now, bro. Like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Hilarious, dude. Hilarious. Oh my. Turner, what is, who is your disappointment of the year? And it can't be Pepe. I mean, I I mean, I think there has to be more disappointing players. I think if we're talking about because we didn't do this for the end of just the you know, the 1920 season. I mean, Chaz, think about Jolington, Sebastian Hilaire, like these dudes who you've For real, Wesley, Turner. Wesley, For real. Wesley on Villa? Like, not that Pepe Pepe's still with those boys because of the price tag, but like these dudes came in who were bawling at their older club and they're like these big six foot three, six foot four strikers. I was like, oh shit. I'm, I was scared shitless about Jolington on, on Newcastle. So like, I, they're definitely big, like big flops. Um, Pe- you know, Pepe is, is definitely up there. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, whew, I thought, um, I, I, I probably would say, um, I was, I was a bit disappointed with. Um, I was, I was expecting Rodrigo to be a lot uh, better for yeah, the Leeds. I hear uh, that. I like hear that. Trash, and especially in the first game against Liverpool when he gave away that pen. I was yeah, like, dude. Ooh. Uh, so I don't know. I'd probably, I'd probably say like Rodrigo or Pepe. They're, 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 I, I haven't given it a ton of thought. Um, but I mean, we there's definitely a shot for for again half season. But Havertz, I think, uh, might come into that conversation. I say too early, but. Uh, but I can I say Turner, Turner, I say you may as well throw uh what's his face? Werner in there with his like three and a half goals. No, or, like, I'm not his, saying like... Werner. Werner Werner's good. I, I still believe that he'll come good. I, but and and I think it's too early for both those dudes because it's half a season. So that's what's tough because like I think the summer signings are tough. But um I'll uh yeah, I'll I'll stick with I'll stick with uh I'll stick with Rodrigo. Good shout. Good shout. I like that. Uh, I guess I'll go next. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll let you finish. Um, so I'm going to go two directions. The first is I all of Manchester City. And the reason I say this is, you know, it's, it's obviously not a signing. It's not a flop. But I feel like we really came into this year, especially expecting a renewed title challenge for Manchester City, saying that last year was a year that, you know, was a little off. And, you know, last year that they were really off, that they dropped points and they shouldn't have that they still came in second but they were you know way behind uh rampaging liverpool and way behind their previous year's form and they haven't been able to click that they've played uninspired football they've played not creative football they've played porous football they give up too many goals they don't score enough kevin de bruyne has looked shaky this season hasn't looked up to his best they are struggling between gabriel jesus and sergio aguero uh the other turn is, I Turner mentioned him earlier, Joe Linton. And I think the disappointment factor of this for me is a little sad because he's not a $40 million player and he never was. Uh, it's just that Mike Ashley thought like, hey, I'm going to spend $40 million on this guy. And basically 
against all of the scouting staff's wishes, bought this player. So, you know, not exactly his fault, but truly terrible season. Um, so I think those are two, my two votes. Ollie, do you have a vote for disappointment of the year? I do. Um, I got a couple of people, I guess. One who I think you guys missed would be Treore um, for Wolves, uh, just because he has been so quiet. Um, and, uh, yeah, has really – I mean, we saw him draw a penalty today, but, yeah, just yeah. super, super quiet, especially for all the – I mean, he's kind of he's memeable, so that's like half of why he was getting a lot of publicity. But but yeah, definitely. I mean, there were talks in the you know 120 million pounds to Barca goes to Dometre Ore. It's like now it's like who's even gonna take this guy? Anyways, um, yeah, I would give. I I mean, low key. I don't know if Chris is gonna agree with this, but Bergwijn, um, I think has been a little quiet. Uh, <laughs> I, I hear I hear that, dude. I hear that. I think that's definitely a bit of like play style as well, but I yeah. hear that. I hear that. And I think Paul Pogba maybe could also be a shout. hear that too. Um, definitely. Fuck Pogba. Such a bitch, dude. Jeez. Yeah. Can you believe that, Charles? That'd be jokes. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's just like. Bleep. Anytime we got to come at these football heads. What about yeah. all of Sheffield United? Like the <laughs> yeah, entire dude. Holy yeah. shit, dude. Oh my God. For I feel real, like bro. Dude, I got to go back and listen to our first episode of this season because I'm pretty sure, Turner, you and me were talking them up and being like, you know, they're, they're not going to get top four, but they're going to be like eighth to tenth. Like they're going to be, you know, taking points off big teams. And this team is like the worst team in the history of the league. Uh, yeah, it's rough. Okay, uh, uh, we'll be right back. Next, player of the year, all the Premier League and manager of the year. After this, quick commercial, music break. Easy. now reach the most important of our end of year awards it's the manager of the year and player of the year votes have been cast there have been recounts there have been electoral challenges the kraken has been unleashed the supreme court is yet to weigh in on some of these results uh but i mean i think like let's get started manager of the year oliver penner you are the last voter for manager of the year. And when turning in your vote, you said, I don't want to put this guy, but I will. And you wrote down Jurgen Klopp. Does that mean you think he won? No, I didn't want to put him down because frankly, he annoys me, but uh, I think I could see him winning. Yeah. Did he? Mm. Or maybe you don't want to reveal it. Well, in first place with three votes is Jurgen Klopp. I mean, I think it's obvious. I, I think I think with the season we, we we've seen, Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. You know, honestly, I did vote for someone else in this category, and part of it was a little bit of a protest vote. Like I know Klopp's going to get the vote. Was it Nuno? 
It was Lampard, wasn't it? Well, it was not Lampard. It was not Lampard. Not Lampard. I swear to God, if it was Lampard, Horn. That would have been the funniest shit, bro. Bro, Bro, I expected Turner to put like Arteta. I honestly, I thought you were gonna put Marie. I thought you were gonna put Marie. Charles, do you not see the text messages that I I sent after the game leagues? Come on, that's true. This is true. Yeah, I feel like if you Uh, listen to this podcast, I feel like if you listen to this podcast, you sometimes feel like. We positioned Chris as some Mourinho defender, which is just so <laughs> no. untrue given like the way you actually talk about your team. It's like no. I, I, actually, I, I don't think there's anyone among us more critical of Tottenham's tactics than you. Uh, but dude, you know. it's like one extreme to the other. But you know, we could we could get into it. We can get into the into the thicket. Hey, but I want to talk about my pick because I think my pick was a little interesting. You know, I selected a guy who's come from the bottom, went to the top fell from the top and is now reinventing himself in one of the busiest cities in the world. That's right. It is David Moyes. And the reason I'm going to talk about David Moyes as my manager of the year for 2020 is a year ago today, the headlines about David Moyes were, was Moyes the right appointment to save West Ham from relegation? And the debate was that maybe he wasn't and that it was a failed appointment. And a year on, you know, we're talking about a West Ham that is competitive with the top four right now that has registered huge wins in 2020 against the likes of Chelsea that have been competitive, that have fought back from 3-0 down in the 82nd minute against Tottenham for that 3-3 draw. And I honestly think that the comeback story of David Moyes from how low it was, how low it got at United getting sacked his first season, how low it got in Spain, his career looked over until the West Ham job when he saved him from relegation years ago. And then they, to get let go, to get brought back, and to totally reinvent the team, that's why he earned my vote for manager of the year. So also, I did want to go a little outside the box. Turner, you had a thought? Okay, I, I, looking at it, I think I need to recap. Well, I would like to recap. Okay, okay. I, I, I gave – We'll just do an yeah. asterisk vote. We'll just do like a second vote, like so, you know, maybe in yeah. another – Another way of viewing the award. So I, I, Klopp, I think, deserves my, my reasonable one, Charles. We all know you wouldn't have picked West Ham if they hadn't gotten that sneaky 1-0 win this morning against Everton. So I'll put that in. I'm hey, joking. okay, recency bias is true. Recency bias is true, but, man, David Moyes <laughs> nah, celebrating with Thomas Suchek wheeling away. What's not Legend, the legend. I would say, uh, yeah, Klopp. I think deserves it just because of how de- uh, depleted this Liverpool side is and them still, I mean, being as hard to beat as ever. But I think Dean Smith at Villa deserves a, har- a big shout, uh, mm-hmm. helping them yeah. survive relegation. And then if you look at the table, they got two, om- I mean, it's going to be almost two games in hand uh, with when everyone catches up this weekend. Uh, and there are, with the loss to United, they're still, they, if they won both those games, they'd be in second. Um, and, and the squad is pretty – is good, but he's getting a lot out of some of these players. I mean, Consa, no one thought anything of before this year. Cash, no one thought anything of before this year. Uh, I mean, you, you can go with Douglas Louise. Uh, I mean, the whole team is insane. So, I, I'd, I'd change my vote to Dean Smith, but Klopp deserves a lot of credit. And I guess, yeah, David Moyes is a good shout. Uh, I mean, West Ham are just – they're a much harder team to beat. Um, and specifically as they're what, like the relegation battle for the very end of last season, just like Villa. 
uh, to survive and then do this well is definitely very impressive and commendable. No, for me, like from my perspective as well, um, I also voted for Klopp. I just think kind of just not to rehash on everything, but like everybody said, you know, what he's done with this squad, I really thought Liverpool were going to be super down bad, just all of the injuries and everything that happened in that squad. But, you know, they've been able to, to remain on top and really take care of business. So I think all things considered, you know, I'd want him over at Spurs. I'd take him in a heartbeat. So, like, as whack as it is to say, and as many games as they scrape by and everything, you know, like three points and three points. And they, they've really been managing to rack them up. So I, I voted for Pop as well. I'm interested in that, you know, at, at sometimes the achievement of winning a Premier League title, it's hard to reconcile, you know, when we talk about the crowning achievement of Klopp as manager, you know, he's built up all these years at Liverpool, a squad capable of winning the Champions League and then the Premier League. But I also don't think that there's any debate that Klopp's not the person that did the most with the least. If we're talking about that, you know, we're talking about, you know, Nuno. Okay, you can tell. Yeah, talking your about Pochettino's. You're talking about your Pochettino's. Yeah, your husband Hoodles at uh, Southampton. You know, there's a lot more managers in that category. So I always find it interesting the way best manager awards develop. And you know, I it's different than best player because in best player, you know, the best player is usually on the best team. But at the same time, you can sort of isolate the player's achievement when that's sort of hard to do for a manager at a top thing, but not to diminish Klopp's achievement at all, because it is undoubtable the influence he has on that team because they play like a Klopp team. Any other managers uh, wanted any love? And I do want to ask, are there any managers that you think are on the hot seat going into the beginning of 2021 that, you know, are under pressure? And, uh, you know, I know Turner and I are eyeing each other a little bit here because uh, the talk on the town is that, both of our managers maybe should be under more pressure than they are internally. Cause I think both have given a, been given a pretty public vote of confidence, but any thoughts on that? Who might be seeing the door next? Hmm. Yeah, I, mean, you gotta I, think, look. I think, I think I have somebody in mind, honestly. Um, I think, you know, they really should be a lot more talked about on the hot seat. And, you know, at this point in time right now, it's a real dicey decision. But we're not going to let Turner's head coach just slide along. Like, you know, he said, talking about relegation this year. Like, I didn't hear that <laughs> out, of the, out of the arsenal miles, you know. I just, like, we can't just go skating on by that. I think he is completely on the hot seat and really should be talked about more as being on the hot seat. I think it's been real lenient. Uh you know, fans and, you know, people have given him time, but I mean, we'll see. I think we got a couple more, maybe a month or two to see what he does, you know, where Arsenal kind of finish up a little later, deeper into the season. But, you know, after the sample size he's currently had, you know, Turner, I think he got a little bit of explaining to do, my guy. Please, please share with me. Explaining to do. I mean, I was expecting some respect, if anything, for the Pets. What, have we not talked since Chelsea game or am I lose my mind? Is it, have we recorded a pod? Am I try, am I tripping tries? I don't think we have recorded a podcast. I was sort of hoping we were uh, yeah, duck underneath. Right? I mean, not that we, we necessarily needed to, Chris, but uh, 
not that you know i i was uh it's time to go before <laughs> before the arsenal chelsea game but uh not Turner, I'm dead, dude. I haven't changed that stance necessarily. I think there's too many decisions he's made that he he he. Uh, I want him to. I want a different manager to look at this team. So I, I don't necessarily. I'm not backing him, but uh, the confidence from the three-one defeat or three-one win against Chelsea. Uh, your program, your program to say that three-one defeat on Turner just after that three-one defeat. I just... mean, that's what I what I think that was the score I predicted. <laughs> so uh... yeah, I was laughing. I think the predictions turned out the complete opposite of like, <laughs> what we said. Just no one had that. No, I think like... I think my predictions were I said two-one Chelsea or four-one Chelsea was my prediction. Oh. Uh, is you know so, it's bad when you're on the golf course and you your brother looks at you like the score is three one <laughs> Arsenal like yeah that was pretty ridiculous. My point is being is that or, if there's any time to be slitting Arteta, I don't know if it will be now. I think, that's why uh, I said you know that's why I said you got to give Hummy a little bit. He bought himself a little bit. Well, more he time. bought himself some more time, and we got West Brom tomorrow. We- if we lose that, that then you know, then I do think it'll be all back <laughs> on the the Arteta out bandwagon. But we it's got a good form, we go. got a good run of games. We got West Brom, Palace, Newcastle, uh, and then Southampton, who's you know not easy games, but we're not we're not playing any of the big boys. So maybe if Arteta can get if if Arteta goes undefeated, I think the the club will be behind him again. I'll say that. I'll say that. Yeah. But all right. Yeah, he's definitely in the hot seat. Uh, I would definitely say. Lampard's not getting the results he wants, right, Chess? Uh, I mean, obviously not. Uh, Chelsea's form is terrible, and we're going into the new year with a pretty tough run of games that, you know, we'll see what happens on Sunday. As of now, we're still slated to play uh, Manchester City without Ederson, without Kyle Walker, um, without, I think, two more players. So it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Oh, and Gabriel Jesus is also out. Um, But... You know, I think he's definitely on the hot seat. I think there's definitely some pressure. I don't think that he's going to lose his job before the end of the season. And I don't, I think it would require a pretty bad end of the season for him to lose his job at all. But I do think that there's pressure definitely there. And with the amount of money spent by the club over the last summer, the amount of transfers, the amount of talent, because, you know, even though I think it's unquestionable that the performances haven't been there for Havertz and Warner. The talent is unquestionably there. And like they, this is a team that is packed with talent that is significantly better on paper than it was last year. And yet the results aren't. And I think then questions have to be asked to the manager. It's a natural progression. And, you know, I've given him a lot of confidence and I've given him a lot of opportunity to prove himself. And I do think that there have been moments in which Chelsea have looked to embody a game plan or a mentality that fits with his standards. But on other times, I think that they've looked aimless. I think that they've looked without a mission, without a defining purpose, without an attacking philosophy. And that's shown in the results recently. Like, you know, well, you, we talked about that Arsenal game before it happened. And the way we were talking about that game was, you know, Arsenal trying to prevent a slaughter. But then to watch the game and the performance that Chelsea came out with, which, you know, all credit to Arsenal for coming out and getting those goals and winning the game. But Chelsea, A, I mean, the goals were obviously ridiculous, but the performance from Chelsea didn't deserve anything more. The performance from Chelsea was horrific. Like the performance from Chelsea allowed those goals to happen because they didn't offer any resistance. And, you know, reports are that Lampard went crazy at halftime, as he should. But it's going to be a real test to get this team back on track and to give players the opportunities they need to thrive. 
Talk us out the guy off his line. Don't worry. It was not a crap. <laughs> clarify that on there. Uh, and then OP, I mean, no offense, but Nuno hasn't had a, a good few. You know, the Wolves have, I mean, despite that win against Chelsea, which was great, and a tie against Spurs, so big results. But, I mean, that game against United was tough. And, and, and uh, you know, not past 10 it's games. Not, I don't yeah, it's any. not great. Yeah. But when you lose your main striker, I mean, it's not like. That's true. That's that's a big thing. Like, how, how are you supposed to manage around losing? Yeah. I mean, that's that was our entire attacking, like, you know, a strategy was based around him. So hopefully we can, you know, I've, I've heard a lot about Diego Costa. I don't know what his salary <laughs> asks are, but um, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe Divac, maybe someone can come in. Because Fabio ain't doing it right now, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's – I mean, I thought he did a, a, a very good job against Manchester United <laughs> uh, in our last game. I, I thought that game could have gone either way, obviously. So, I, I, I don't think that he's done a bad job. And, and it, just in terms of, like, budget, like, I think he's doing very well for what he's been given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I just had a little I just had a little shout. Um in terms of that Spurs draw, all I'm saying is those Portuguese points, I think Jose just gave Wolves a point there, man. I mean that <laughs> performance was, was abysmal. We were you know decent decent draw for Wolves, but Jose was definitely sliding, you know, those points, bro. They definitely were like, Yeah, let's share these points. That that's my hunch. <laughs> that's fair and then uh and then uh, nuno gave those to bruno <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> just kind of a cycle yeah well speaking of a, a bruno uh, i think that's definitely a name that we might be talking about right now because it's time for our player of the year vote our player of 2020 a year with a pandemic no major international tournament but a lot of club football a lot of performances a lot of opportunities and we, you know, got four votes here. And I'm going to start with Turner. Now, Turner, your vote is a player that we've talked about in the Premier League a lot for the past four or five years. You know, a guy that his eccentricities are known to many and his performances are seen by all. Um, and a guy whose celebrations often... Can leave the away end or the home end, the home sections a little uh, bit frustrated. You picked, you know, one speedy striker, Jamie Vardy Turner. Uh, I picked Vardy. Yeah, I thought. Uh, I mean, I think there's an obvious answer uh, for this year, but uh, I thought Vardy. He's just so consistent. I, 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 he what eleven goals this year. He won top mm-hmm. score last year. Uh, I don't. If we're talking about the year of 2020, I, I'm trying to figure out how many goals he actually scored in restart and in the second half of the season. Uh, but regardless, uh, I mean, like especially with uh, Aubameyang and Martial, just other strikers. That's a decent shout, Turner. I feel. I feel like that's a decent well, shout. Just with, with with a lot of these strikers not being able to consistently, I, I'll I'll give also credit to Salah because Salah's again but with Mane not really having this the season he did last and and just with the amount of inconsistency with uh putting the ball in the back of net I mean this dude does not stop um and I'd, I'd say again one of those players where just like I think another dude we're going to talk about uh without Vardy Lester 
I mean, Jesus, relying on Ineacho, uh to to put the ball in the back of the net. I, I think <laughs> is, uh, you know what I'm talking about, Chris. <laughs> you know that's true. No, I, I uh, but I, I do I do support the LGBTQ plus community, and I do not agree with him kicking down that flag. Uh, I will say that. Yeah, something uh, I- to to the Sala comparison. Like, I feel like also Vardy's consistency has not so much relied on pens, whereas I feel like Sala's goal scoring has converted more to pens. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Correct me. So I, I think, I don't know. So Vardy is and you know, I'll, I'll get some stats up to back me up. So Vardy does take a lot of penalties. He is um, Lester's penalty taker. But I think what's interesting is if once you start watching uh, Lester games is the amount of goals he himself, uh, like the amount of penalties he himself creates. So, mm-hmm. um, Look, per 90 minutes, goal score. And Tillman's, I remember when they played Leicester, Tillman's takes yeah. their penalty sometimes. He's not like the automatic, not like Bruno. Oh, sorry, I didn't want to say the name. Uh, but like, but he's not, there, there's a little bit of debate. He usually takes them, I'm just saying. Okay, know, well, okay, so them. this season, yeah. this season he has 11 goals, of which six are penalties. So, like. Damn, okay, well, last okay. season, last season I saw it was 23, which were 23 goals, four penalty, uh, okay. four penalty scored, which is, I think, I think pretty decent, but yeah, I guess I didn't check that stat, stat for. Yeah, but twenty-three goals for penalty kicks made. But what I'm going to say is, to his credit, is that he is a player un- almost unlike any other, adept at winning penalties in his you know off the ball and on the ball movement, always you know creating that. So you know, I think it's a good shout, definitely a good shout. Also, kind of just feel like in terms of we all know. Or we all have an idea, I think, of who this other player might be. He's challenging. I think that's just like a really good shout of somebody you go. He's very integral to their team, but also, you know, very much so does go, can go unnoticed just with all of the bigger names that seem to dominate, like Premier League talks, you know, especially in broadcast to Americans as well, I feel. I'd say also, I I would put Son Hun Min like, up there as well like i don't think he gets enough like i saw the bleacher report poll or whatever and he was way down even below harry kane i think in terms of consistency like when kane was injured and for stuff real, like, bro. he was putting in that work for tottenham he was the offensive for real. i think and i know christian probably wouldn't say that just because he'd get shit on but like i think he deserves some some well i'm gonna get i'm gonna give chris some credit here because i have the ballot that chris submitted and you know Chris's second pick was Son, uh, and you know we I know you've talked up his game for a few years, but I think Chris, you know, you more than anyone have have to be really impressed with the maturity and the composure that Son has embodied in 2020 to take over a team at points and to really lead a team's front line and to put in performances week in win at week out and achieve a level of consistency that I you know you've watched more Spurs than me, but I've never seen this level of offensive consistency from him and effort consistency. You know, I remember the lower East clip where he's, you know, yelling at him about tracking back. And this season, I don't think it's, you know, questionable that he's had that defensive work rate. He's really worked off the ball to make the team better. Yeah. I mean, for me, like what a player he is, honestly, you look at everything he does for the team electrifying speed, left foot, right foot, ridiculous work ethic, you know, a very solid, hard worker, a dude who's not, like, 
not that I care about, you know, whether a player is showy or not, you know, that's kind of what up to, you know, whatever they decide, but you know, you talk about somebody who's just an all around, I mean, he's the man in South Korea, like the South Korea is young men's son. Like, you know, I've never seen a country like so proud, honestly, maybe just cause we don't look at soccer that way. I think that's definitely a lot of South it, Korean but... players in the Premier League, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of competition for that position. But yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here, bro! Wait, wait, wait. Tell me when Obama ain't want a medal for his country. Someone's out here like Dude. sniping heads, like they're like on, mad so- heads in Gabon. There's tons of competition from Gabon. Don't worry. I'm just, I'm just making fun of you, Chris. <laughs> no, I, I know. I mean, I, we don't have to like totally rant on Sun, but I think like again, like I said, in terms of we all know who the other player who we all want to say, but Sun is right there with him for me. I mean. I had Bruno for his son right there. I, I just think Bruno, the only reason I had Bruno ahead is just because, man, you, what would man you be without Bruno Fernandez? I mean, what would what would Spurs be without son? Don't get it twisted. Do not ever get it twisted. But what would man you be without Bruno? That That's really the thing that kind of made me pick Bruno and that solidified him as my first choice. Yeah, I mean, you said his name. Uh, with three votes coming in first as the inaugural head of the game Premier League Player of the Year, it's Bruno Fernandez. Joined in January from Sporting Lisbon, has racked up an incredible tally in the Premier League and for Manchester United since. Undoubtedly, one of the top players in the world right now, and you know he's shown it. And just his first season, he had eight goals and seven assists, and then has ten league goals and seven assists so far this season. Uh, Ollie, I know you voted for Bruno Fernandez as well. What? And, you know, I know you, we've also mocked I, Bruno for taking penalties. I, al- I also think it's, sorry, just real real quick, I think it's pr- pronounced Penandez as well. Penandez, oh, th- I was about to say this. But for all of the mockery for Bruno Fernandez, you, Chris, also did write him down as your player of the year. But, Ollie, when you watch Bruno Fernandez in a Manchester United team, and a Manchester United team with Bruno Fernandez, and then you watch a Manchester United team without Bruno Fernandez. What do you see missing? And what do you think that he brings in those situations? Uh, well, okay. First of all, pens. Let's put it out there. But second of all, I just think he seems to, in, in sort of like a Kevin De Bruyne fashion, he seems to bring up other players around him. Like Paul Pogba doesn't want to be there for a lick of a minute. But he's like, you saw him today playing like he was looking great like he's making plays happen he's setting up other players martial when is the last time he fucking scored like a year ago or maybe recently okay in the prem but you know he's he's making plays happen um and he's scoring goals that are not just from pens right now it, it as of recent so i think that's and also just not not to completely interject but just in terms of the assisting the way cavani's playing man like Bruno's out here giving Cavani assists, Cavani's diving headers and stuff. Like, it's ridiculous yeah. what Bruno's doing over there. Yeah, I can't do anything but uh, agree. Uh, and, I, and I think if you watch more of Manu, I mean, it's very easy. I saw the stat today, which was uh, Manu have in the past two years 42 penalties in all competitions, uh, which is, is a pretty ridiculous stat. Um, but, uh, 
But uh, so, you know, of course, that's what all of, all of us, not being menu fans, like to point out. But if you watch the games, he's he, his passing is ridiculous. Uh, the long, the amount of long balls he just throws up to Rashford and Rashford scores like one out of five. But there's still five that are just like inch perfect. Yeah, that goal to Rashford uh, and, was I ridiculous. I mean, insane. That ball, to, the Rashford's yeah. goal against Wolves was bullshit because of the deflection. But the ball ridiculous. to him, like yeah. he yeah. that insane. Goal. Totally. And Sice was like, oh, fuck me. That was inch perfect. I like, what? You can see he tried, like, the, I think it was Sice, might have been Cody. One of the center defenders, Wolves, was like, like, mi- clearly misread it and also was like, oh, it had to be a perfect pass to essentially, you know, get past me. Whatever. It was, it was, it was insane. Um, yeah. And so, you saw in that Wolves yeah. game, it's just constant onslaught from him. It's, oh, yeah. it's those passes constantly. And then it's the creativity, too, from him. That just yeah, it's creating so well, I think to turn and you know, in every statistical category that you're looking for passing, whether it's key passes, passes into the final third, assists, expected assists, it's Bruno, it's Kevin De Bruyne, it's you know, these guys that you expect to be as guys like Jack Grealish this season, who I think would also be a player that could potentially get player of the year twenty twenty. Hear, that, hear Jack, that, Charles. I hear if, that. If Bruno had not had such a dominant year. But it is truly incredible, and it's, you know, part of it is, you know, A, he's a player unbelievably adept at set pieces, whether it's corners, penalties, free kicks. You know, today we saw a fantastic save by Martinez on a uh, a Bruno Fernandez shot from outside the area. He brings this goal-scoring touch. He is always driving it towards the box. And I do think it is, you know, worth giving credit to that, although, you know, these he scored four penalties last season, scored four penalties this season, the penalties that they're winning are often the direct consequence of his creativity and his offensive uh, contribution because this guy is running the whole team. And just as you mentioned earlier, Turner and Chris, it's what Manchester United would be without Bruno. The difference between this team and what the team was at the beginning of the 2019-2020 season, Miles. And he's an incredible yeah. player. And, you know, it's fantastic to see him play in the league. Yeah, I also just real quick, like I just another reason why I think he's just mild, or just when I think of what Arsenal need, it literally like it's all it is is Bruno or a player like him. Um, and, and I think mo- any team would benefit with with someone. Is that, like that it? That, or... That's all. You need? <laughs> what is that? All we need? That's all you need. I, or... I think it would help. But yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That you shut me down there. I'll I'll I'll, I'll stand back. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Ollie's already bullying Turner off the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that that's what Arteta's got these Arsenal fans on this year. Last year it was all well, all this smoke, all this smoke being talked. What Arteta the seventh been... place smoke we were throwing at you, Chris? Don't act like we weren't second. And I was coming on here and like go oh, Spurs and fifteenth. The guy wasn't throwing any smoke. I had that one <laughs> FA Cup win that that I was cheerful about. <laughs> Yeah, I hear, I hear you, Turner. Uh, all I'm saying is your boy's on the hot seat. Your boy's on the hot seat. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, any other player of the year shouts? Any honorable mentions? Jack Grealish does not get a vote, but it comes as an honorable mention. Jamie Vardy uh, gets one vote. Harry Kane. Oh, son. Yeah, I was going to say, him, that's yeah. a bad connection between him and son. You know, let's not. 
Kane's been defending, heading balls off the final night. You know, the only reason I don't have him in my top is just because of, you know, injuries and, you know, he'll miss a little bit of time here and there. But, I mean, the season, you know, next time we have this this discussion, the season Kane's been having as well, kind of forms dipped to late, but in the beginning, you know, unreal. Just lights out, honestly. But and I think we touched on, on a good stuff in play of the year. Bias shout, but Connor Cody. Ooh. Just for the clean yeah. feedback. Right? Yeah. Right. Rashford arguably that's... had the greatest season, right, in terms of everything. Uh, I think he's, he's been like well. I think I think I think we should give like Marcus Rashford a special award. We should give him like, uh, you know, sports. We should give him like footballer person of the year for his contributions to the community, in addition to his footballing prowess. Yeah. Yeah. Give credit where credit is due. Well, um, I guess that wraps up this segment. Uh, we'll finish this up uh, with the other segments. And, you know, this is part two of three, uh, part one and three to come. Or part three to come. Part one's already happened. Right. Thank you. <laughs> See you guys pass the music. Well, our player and manager of the year have been decided. It's almost time for us to leave and leave you all with your great new year. But lastly, we have two most important categories. It's the goal of the year, and it's our what we're looking forward to most in 2020. Turner, I'll let you kick it off. What is your goal of the year from an Arsenal fan? I don't know if it's probably not going to be an Arsenal goal, is it? Yeah, my, my goal of the year has to be, well, it, I will say there is some Arsenal bias in it, but there has not been a more exciting game than West Ham coming down from 3-0 and Lanzini scoring. Okay, okay. yeah, all right. Screamer against okay. Brothers tied up in the last second. That goal, it wasn't even like, there, there might have been, you know, better hit balls this season in terms of like actually the precision. But at the fact that that went in and how it yeah, went in for and real, it went for in, real, it was just, dude. <laughs> I mean, and then you were in the mud, Chris. Understand? Oh my <laughs> goodness, bro! Oh my lord, so that's hilarious. I just that that goal was. I, I remember watching that and be like, "Oh my god, this actually just happened." <laughs> anyway, so I, I gotta say that was oh. that was when, in terms of when I think about this year, that was definitely one of the the crazier strikes. Definitely a good shout, Chris. What is your goal of the year? Yeah, that's a good one, Turner. God damn, that's a good one. Um, yeah, for me, uh, I think obviously just the emotions that run high in the North London Derby. First time fans have been back up in the stadium. Of course, who else? Who else would hit a screamer like that? Sonaldo, Peace versus Arsenal, top bins. Like, what do you left foot, right foot? I mean, the guy, that goal, geez. That, that's, you know, what you want to see in a Derby game within the first, I think it was well within the first 15 minutes, like just getting off on a start like that. It, that was an amazing goal to see. Um, 
you know, I, I don't, I don't even know what more I could elaborate on really. If everybody like hasn't seen that goal, go ahead and watch it. Could be one of the goals of the season. Definitely. Also shout. Oh, also yeah. got a quick shout. Harry Winks, 50 yard piece, Europa League versus I don't even know what team it was. <laughs> like, and he damn sure didn't mean it. But uh, yeah, shout out Winksy. All right. We know where Chris lies. Ollie, your goal of the season. Man, to be honest, I don't even really like have a good memory on this. So I'm just going to go with Neto's goal against Chelsea because that was the most fun oh, one that I've one. had recently. Um, yeah, and that was a good one. Yeah, drop the shoulder, baby. That is a good one. Uh, speaking of dropping the shoulder, I am going to go with America's own native of Hershey, Pennsylvania, Christian Pulisic with Liverpool's title on the line, USA. taking the ball USA. past Ilke Gundogan and putting it past Ederson to finish and win the game after a fantastic full field run. And I'll start us off on our what we want to see in 2020 i for one cannot wait for the return of fans it makes the game better it allows the game to thrive at lower levels it makes watching the game infinitely better than watching it without crowd noise and i can't wait to see fans back in the premier league stadiums ollie what are you most like for in most looking forward to in 2021 you know what, man? I'm just looking forward to this transfer window and uh, see what uh, see what see what the heads on the board say, and uh, what they can show up for the team. See if we can't get back up to the top of the table. Spoken like someone at the Chinese gambling company on their jersey, uh, Chris. Your most excited thing. Um, I think you really touched like, on it. I think I can't speak English right now. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no you're good um i'd say definitely touched on a really thing with fans i think the return of fans just you know that that would be amazing for the game also just in terms of like coaching and stuff i think i i just said jose Mourinho in the hot seat obviously spurs locked him into a contract for the next couple of years but i think we all know how it gets when you know, you get into that second year period, stuff starts to turn sour with Jose. You start seeing a few more players get thrown under the bus. I'm curious to see what that whole situation looks like, let's say, in a year's time, even six months' time from now. I'm, I'm curious to see what that looks like. Fantastic shout. And Turner, I'll give you the last word as we enter 2021 and you enter your car. What is your wish for the future for this next year? Looking back a year from now, what will you have hoped has happened? I want to see my boy Matteo Guendouzi get back in this Arsenal squad. Start <laughs> scoring like he has been for – he scored again today for Berlin. Uh, I want my boy Guendouzi back, and I, I, I want to hashtag free Saliba because I swear to God, if we sell this kid in the January transfer window, I'm going to lose my mind. So those are my, my two asks. Two asks to Arsenal's French gods to close our New Year episode. As always, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, our website is headsinthegame.com. Our Twitter is Heads in the Game. All three of Turner, Chris, and Ollie's Twitters are going to be linked there, as will mine. Follow us all. Like, look at our stuff. Uh, yeah, follow Cooper on Instagram. Uh, hit him up. Uh, Cooper, if you don't listen, you're you have to get out of the car right now. So thank you all so much and happy new year.
Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happ